Just as long as we recognize that uh, you are as much of a clown as I am. Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael normally are locked in mortal uh, debate and combat over certain ideas and concepts and forms of personal self-expression. Mortal combat! <laughs> and this week Finish is no this. different. <laughs> this week is no different. Although the topic isn't uh, video games, as you might guess by based on Richard's name check of Mortal Kombat. It's television theme songs. Television theme songs are the Mount Rushmore that we're going to be discussing this week. Uh, each of these gentlemen will be picking the top four or the four they think best represent this idea of television theme songs, and I will be judge, jerk, and executioner and determine who is the winner. So who chose it? Well, this was mine, and you know, I just chose it because it's one of those things that I watched a lot of TV as a kid, and the theme song is so wrapped into your enjoyment of the show, especially as a kid, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a dying art, too. I mean, there are... You don't really even have, like, intros anymore to most shows, unless it's, like, an HBO show. But it's like, I love, you know, Game of Thrones is great. I kind of know what the theme song is. Sure. But, like, if it's not, like, iconic or anything. This was, for me, when I was trying to come up with, you know, my list... There was, there's too many. Well, there's too many shows, so I did have to categorize it this week. Just I actually did as well. So trying to break it down into little bite-sized chunks was really the only way I could digest all of the TV in front of me, and the TV music and the TV intros. All right, so Richard, you uh, pick the topic. Michael, go for, go first. Okay, so if my four categories are uh, the plot, the sports, the mood, and appropriated. So I'll start with the plot which is The Ballad of Gilligan's Island from Gilligan's How Island. How many times have you oh, wow. mentioned Gar- Gilligan's Island on this show? I love that show. For a while in like the 60s and into the 70s, there was a theme song that basically told you what the plot of the show is. So you didn't have to know anything else going into, especially a sitcom. You could just watch the intro know how you got to this situation, and then, okay, whatever the crappy A plot and B plot, and I doubt there's a C plot, uh, you know, just hits it running. And, you know, the, the Gilligan's Island theme song kind of, it just gets you there right away. It tell, lets you know how they're all stuck there, lets you know who each character is and their, you know, banal ar- archetype that kind of goes across <laughs> the, the trans... The, goes across all yeah. seven characters, and then you can tell your story about a monkey. Yeah. Well, like Gilligan, <laughs> um, like you said, I remember debating the which which sitcom is a the world in a microcosm, the Brady Bunch or Gilligan's Island. And Brady Bunch has a very suburban, uh, homogenized cast, whereas Gilligan had the the matriarchs, the patriarchs, the, the yeah. industrialists, the yeah. millionaires, the rich, the poor, the laborers, the dunce. And like, <laughs> right. the slut. The homemaker, <laughs> and like there's a few there's a few shows that kind of came out of that Sherwood Schwartzy sort of area or Sher- Sherwood Schwartzy area. Yeah, like Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, well, you have that. You have the Adams Family, Green Acres, Green Acres, and later on, even you know, you move into the '90s, you get to like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, oh, Brady Bunch, Brady Bunch, and mm-hmm. it all just kind of breaks it down into, okay, these are the characters, this is why we're here, yeah. and it seemed to be like a, like the. I guess the pinnacle of, and everybody knows the theme song. You've seen it 
I think maybe everybody knows all of these theme songs. Yeah. But in particular, I thought that one was uh, poignant. All right. Yeah, no, I like that choice, sort of. I don't know. I just never, I'll be honest with you. I never got into Gilligan's Island, really. Well, you don't need, well, okay, let me tell you the story. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> I think the plot was too confusing. The only, the only other note I have about this <laughs> uh, was that the original uh, recording was by a group called the Wellingtons, which is the most 1960s crappy band uh, name you could think of, uh, which was kind of uh, like a sea shanty. Yeah. And then the second version was done by the Eligibles. Oh, the Eligibles. <laughs> wow. Oh, yes. You know, all of their other songs like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but one interesting note, uh, John Williams actually was responsible for a lot of the music yeah. on Gilligan's Island. And he was billed as Johnny Williams. <laughs> really? Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Huh. Funny. I guess everyone's, everyone's got to start somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> on an island with seven, stra- seven you know, stranded people. Yeah. Right? And on and on and on. <laughs> all right. You did pretty good after that. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Richard, what's your first? So, I also have four categories. Uh, um, one is comedy. One is action. Mm. One is also the sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, one's a wild card. My comedy one, I'm going with the Sanford and Son theme. <laughs> so, Sanford and Son theme written by Quincy Jones. Um, he said he wrote it to feel like how Red Fox looked. <laughs> it's kind of a broken down. Uh, Ramshackle, 60, broken down. 60 looks like 80. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it really is. I mean, one of the things I think makes a great uh, TV uh, theme song is just if you can match the feel of the song to immediately, as soon as you listen to it, you understand what type of show you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. And this song sounds like kind of that junky, trash, funky nature of Sanford and Son. It's yeah. got that great bass line coming in, and then you've got that, like, I think it's like a bass harmonica or something playing that. It just feels like that's, they just picked up whatever was laying around the junkyard yeah. and kind of fashion, like like, at, like the Fat <laughs> Albert gang or something, yeah. just sort of like picked anything up they could find and just turned it into... Uh, into musical instruments. A lot of junkyard living in the 70s. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't see that much anymore. By the way, it, 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 just real quick, I want yeah. to point out, that made me think of something. There was a British TV show aired in 1981, and I just know this because I watched some BBC Worst Shows Ever thing. It's called Triangle. It was supposed to be like the British version of Love Boat. Oh, wow. Where it's like, it would be like you get on the boat, and yeah. it's like every week there's like the rotating cast of people and their own adventures. Um, the problem was that it was a ferry instead of like a big cruise ship. <laughs> and it, they, they traveled from Felixstowe to Gothenburg to Gothenburg to Amsterdam, like basically the North Sea. That's I'm the surprised. triangle. Because, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing says romance like, you know, <laughs> hanging out in the North Sea for a couple of days. Their other show, Straight Line, which just went down to uh, <laughs> the Isle of Wight and back. Okay, so Michael, your second. Uh, my second is actually by John Williams of Gilligan's Island fame. It's the uh, Olympic fanfare. Ooh, good one. From the Olympic. Now, growing up as a kid, and probably until I was in my early 20s, I thought that this was just the official song of the Olympics. Yeah, it belonged to the Olympics. Yeah, I thought that that was, but... It like was, it had been written by the Greeks? <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, mm. their, with their timpani drums and... Yeah. All of that, but no, uh, it was for the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. Just another 
Oh, cool. Just another uh, proof that everything good comes out of L.A., you right. guys. Well, we you, did, we well, did you, were, you were living here, obviously, when yeah, the Olympics I, I, happened. I'll tell you my Olympic story in just a sec. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks, parents. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it's been used by NBC for all of the Olympics since then. And it's one of those songs that starts rolling in and you get really excited about. And you're just kind of reminded that every two, you know, four years it was. But wait, now, wait, wait, wait. Donna Summer did a Disco Olympics theme <laughs> in 1978 that was pretty amazing. Now, what about the Laugh Olympics theme? <laughs> oh, that's Can we true. get in there? The Animal Olympics 2 was pretty good. But um, the just this song is just so evocative of being a champion and being bigger than you are. And I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Well, it actually started out on ABC. And it's been used by ABC, CBS, and NBC since then for I mean, various versions. Did, did it go around to all Yeah, it did. All, it was like one of those networks. things that just eventually became like, this is the Olympics theme. That's great. I, and, didn't even, I didn't read that. Oh, yeah. I just know that from when I was a kid. I remember the 84 Olympics. I would wake up five in the morning because that's when coverage would start because it wasn't like around the clock like it is now, obviously. Yeah. I mean, like you turn on ABC and, oh, Equestrian's on. Cool. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Okay. Some horses got out, you guys. But it is, so does ABC's coverage extend globally? So if we, if you were to watch it in Europe, there would be the local broadcaster, like BBC would probably have Yeah, their everyone own has Olympic. their own coverage. Okay. Now they think so they have they, their own thing. Yeah. yeah, they each have their own thing. Oh, well. I guess maybe this is a very American version to only yeah. think of ourselves, but the American version of the Olympic theme is incredible. Yeah. Um, but no, my, uh, so in the 84 Olympics, my mom used to be a uh, bodybuilder. And I remember she and my dad got tickets to a number of events. One of them was like weightlifting or like the powerlifting. I was not taken to a single event. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, to be fair, the Olympics is not for kids. Michael. <laughs> but, you know, as a six-year-old, I would have been really jazzed to see just about anything. But I remember them coming back with, like, that Sam the Eagle sort of... The pin or whatever? I got, I got some goddamn pins. Richard, what's your second? Okay, so my second one is in the action category. category. Okay. And it is the theme to Hawaii Five-0. Oh, nice. Otherwise known as Hawaii Five O. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Uh, no, done by the Ventures. Um, it was a uh, number three hit in the Billboard charts with a bullet. And I just love this theme because it's uh, again, it's there was this whole kind of wave of like Hawaii, not nostalgia, but like yeah, a wave of Hawaii. See what I did, guys? I'm I'm really good it's at pretty this. Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, B plus. Back in like I guess it would have been like the late mid to late sixties, yeah. and this was. You hear this theme, and it immediately evokes Hawaii, but not in that stereotypical mm-hmm. kind of aloha kind of yeah. way. It's, yeah. It still gets the point across that this is an action-driven, exciting show. Yeah. And it's got that you know, great ventures sort mm-hmm. of guitar, and then obviously the drum beat. That like, that's, one of the, that's one of the drum beats that when you sit behind a, a, a drum kit for your first time, you will immediately... Try to play the Hawaii Five O that and like wipe out yeah, and maybe there's sure. a couple others, but that that's that's mm-hmm. definitely on the list of the ones you immediately try to uh, try to try to emulate. So, other than that drum, that kind of tribal feeling drum, does it feel very Hawaiian? What's what's Hawaiian? The guitar, the twangy guitar. Yeah, they got that twangy guitar. I mean, yeah. I think it's just more that it was a surf yeah. sort of influence yeah. song. It was a surf band. Yeah, um, there no lyrics. 
But Hawaii Five O is coming after you. <laughs> There's a Hawaii, Hawaii Five O. <laughs> it's a cop there, there. But they um, that didn't stop um, singers from attempting to release versions. Oh, really? <laughs> with lyrics like Don Ho. Oh, is that right? <laughs> did a version that was a little bit slower. Uh, it's called "You Can Come with Me." Then uh, Sammy Davis Jr. noted uh, Satanist. Uh, later did a version that was "You Can Count on Me" hyphen or yeah. Or colons or whatever the brackets, a uh, theme from Hawaii Five O. Wow, neither <laughs> of them did very well. Did, did they update? Is is the new Hawaii Five O the same version? Is like the song? Is it like updated with just like a a, fu- a funky beat? It's right. interesting that you mentioned this, since my dad, my father in law, watches the show on a loop, <laughs> so I hear this song all the time, and I'm and it's such a good song that it. I manage to still love it, even though I have to listen to it like at least two or three times a is week. He, is he aware it's a new version of the show, or does he just think it's Oh, no, he's just watching the Jack Lord version. He's just watching <laughs> oh, the Lex. Oh. No, just kidding. Oh. So they originally, when the, the reboot came out, they did a uh, like a synth-driven version. Everyone hated it. The Ventures uh, volunteered to re-record a new version of it. But instead of either doing that or using the classic version, they just re-recorded basically a note-for-note version of it. I'm sure it had something to do with copyright or god yeah. knows what so if you listen to it it basically sounds exactly like the old hawaii 5.0 theme it's like one of those like sound alike things you would get like in a music library yeah except it's the exact same song um so hey this is our theme i'm going to replay it underneath this uh little plug for you to come support us and join us in our uh presentation that we do here here at the mount rushmore podcast by going on our facebook page going on our twitter following us in social media going to the website and uh, listening and downloading going to itunes and listening and downloading and rating and reviewing all of our um, past episodes and current episodes and we really would appreciate that and that's what this theme is really saying is how much we appreciate you the listener and supporter of our podcast okay then the theme wraps up and we are back and it means that Michael is going to give us his third choice. Well, I'm glad that Richard brought up mood because that was the category that this next pick slides into. And it's the X-Files theme song from the X-Files by... Mark Snow. You know, it's a weird time to talk about like secret government Illuminati stuff with election, but in 1990, <laughs> in 1993, it was the shit. Uh, I love the X Files, and I remember that song would kick in, and maybe it was like the combination of just like that. It was you know very gentle, a very gentle like kind of piano riff, and then the the whistling, and that combined with the kind of black and white images that would kind of shift along with the music that you'd kind of both combine together would kind of make something greater than their yeah. hearts I, I find it legitimately scary yeah i would scare i would be scared <laughs> and yeah. always ended on like like a very mysterious like you know either like a thud or like a, yeah. a a down note but um i was reading a little bit about the uh the origination of the uh like creation and i guess chris carter and mark snow were working and they wanted to do something that was, or Chris Carter, the, the creator, wanted something that was kind of, oh, Twilight Zone-ish. And, but he had this weird note to send him. He said, uh, it, 
I'd like it to kind of sound like the Smith song, How Soon Is Now. Oh, wow. And he said really strangely, and here, I'll read it directly. He wanted it to have a swampy tremolo. And I think that was one of the episodes. Swampy tremolo? Yeah. I think uh, Fox uh, (laughs) had gone down to Louisiana to investigate some sort of uh, happenings and, you know, ended up being gas. Right. I love the X-Files, as you did. I. It's probably the last like TV show that legitimately at times freaked me out. Mm. Like yeah. the episode with the, uh, the 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 inbred family. Oh yeah. The uh, the uh, Johnny Mathis song playing. Like, no thanks. I think that the movie's blue though. The movie blue. Uh, once it, you know, it. Left- I think it did. I think I liked it at the time because it was exciting. It's like, oh wow, we're getting something else and something new, and it's like. Eh. It was there was a season that led into the movies. And that season was great, and then it had the first movie, and then it came back, and it tried to tie it all together, and it just, none of it worked. And I haven't seen the newest movie that came out last year, but I can't imagine that it was all that interesting. I mean, maybe it was. Oh, you know what I watched? The, uh, the new kind of reboot. They had like six or eight episodes. I didn't see that. How was it? They had six or eight episodes on Fox, and one of them was really good. Okay. The rest of them were kind of like... They were trying to do too much, and there's way, like, it was good when they had, they were kind of hinted at alien stuff, but once you go full alien, once you you whip out that alien, it kind of loses some (laughs) of the- Once you go alien, you can't go back. Loses some of the spookiness, but uh, I had the album Songs in the Key of X. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, we had that at the radio station. for and inspired by, they had three good songs on there. Was there a Foo Fighters song involved? No, they had, they had a soul coughing song that was pretty good. They had a- a Nick Cave song, you know, Red Right Hand, and it had like a very average REM song, and then like a remix of the uh, of the of the theme. In the, in the reboot, did they like just replace it with like a Bare Naked Lady song or something? Or cake? <laughs> okay, uh, Richard, what is your third choice? Okay, so my third choice is um, I'm going to skip to my wild card here, oh. and it is the Tonight Show theme with Johnny Carson. Oh. Wait, so this wild card, do you have multiple choices on there that you're just like cycling through? No, just one. Okay. It's something that didn't fit into another category that I forgot to do, so I just kind of called ooh, it a ooh. wild card at the last minute. This is a good choice. Why'd though. you pick this? Because um, I was, here's the thing, I was, when I was a kid, a lot of this, partially, a good chunk of this is nostalgia. Um, when I was a kid, my dad worked a swing shift, which meant he left for work at three and he got home about mm, 12, 15, let's say. And by the time I was like eight, my mom would just let me stay up until my dad got home. And so that was kind of like my mom went to bed. And then right after the news was over and I had like that hour of like watching Johnny Carson. And so like, you know, that theme coming on was like, okay, I get to be the cool kid now. I get to stay up for like 45 minutes and do whatever the hell I want. Of course, being like nine or 10 is sitting down and watching the, the Tonight Show yeah. and maybe sneaking some extra ice cream or something uh-huh. like that, you know, something lame. Ah, oh, see, that would have been, like, I would have been, like, 86. I don't think uh-huh. you, you saw a lot of good comedians. Oh, okay. You had, sure, like, yeah. Shanling. And yeah. I think Joan Rivers was still in his uh-huh. good graces before. Yeah. Uh, before. he started her own thing. Yeah. So you got to bond with your dad. Yeah, so cool. it, had, it had a lot of that. So he'd come home for, like, the last 15 minutes. or He'd usually catch either the stand-up or the Trevor Band was on mm-hmm. at the time. And it's such... An immediately recognizable theme. I mean, the guy did the show for 30 years. Yeah. Um, written by Paul Anka, 
Was it really? Oh, wow. Uh, technically co-written by Paul Anka and uh, Johnny Carson. And I do like this story because it kind of shows what a, uh, what a smart businessman Johnny Carson sure. was, as long as being kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. So he, um, the song was originally written as an instrumental by Paul Anka. Words were attached to it for the first Annette Funicello, like, I'm an adult kind of single, like, like when she was no longer like yeah. at the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And then Paul Anka did a version of that. Well, when Johnny Carson's starting The Tonight Show, he decides he wants to use an instrumental version of that. But he actually wants to use an instrumental, but have lyrics that technically would be attached to it, even though you'd never hear them on the show. And he wants writing credit for the lyrics. Oh, wow. So there are technically, it's a 50-50 split. Paul Anka has, gets credit for the music. Mm-hmm. Johnny Carson gets credit for the lyrics that nobody has ever heard. And the royalties are split 50-50. Wow. Is there any love or, um, I don't know, themes in any of the newer Tonight Show uh, songs that kind of harken back to it? Like, I mean, they've had three... I can't think of anyone. They've had three guys that have done it since then, and I wonder if there's any part of that song that kind of, you hear the, you know, like the themes that kind of roll back in. I don't think think they do, no. Um, Really, the last TV show theme I can talk show theme I can think of that I recognize is Letterman. I know that one, and that's about it. Yeah. Also, Gene Roddenberry did the whole, I'm going to write lyrics to the song, and they'll never act, no one will actually hear them, but I'm going to get half the songwriting credit for it. Because, also, a dick. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, Howard Shore, I think, tried to screw John Lurie out of some songwriting credit for the Conan theme. Oh, really? Yeah, and Lurie has this story he tells where he had submitted it on a cassette and he did the kind of the poor man's copyright you like mail it to yourself or something like that he had the the, the envelope and so was able to prove that he wrote it or that howard shore was going to kind of screw him over the shaft so. yeah i don't know how i wonder how much money you would make off of that oh god i mean think of how Car- carson ran 30 years like it's got to be it was just incredible. yeah mechanical royalties yeah. plus dvds yeah. we got to write a theme song guys let's do it okay okay let's start with hawaii 50 yeah, a little bit of Gilligan's Island. We've got surf thing. We've got surf on both on an island. <laughs> All right, we're and then the alien comes down. Yeah, we're on an island. Three guys. Olympic My three podcast Hosted dads. Hosted by Jeff. <laughs> and Richard's the neighbor. And Michael <laughs> it replaces me after the first season. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, what's your fourth? My last one is the appropriated song. And... It's Love and Marriage by Frank Sinatra from Married with Children. Love and marriage. And I started thinking about theme songs, and so many of the one that I started thinking of the most was uh, that stupid Friends theme song. Yeah. They just they. they tried to they tried to turn that into like a real pop song uh-huh. after it came out and tried to play on the popularity of the show. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, did people buy that song? I think so. When I try to describe power pop to people, that's the song that I talk about. That song is exactly oh, the type bastard. of song <laughs> that I love. Bastard. But people usually don't know, but they know the friends. But then, you know the song uh, "That's Just the Way It Is, Baby." Okay, not that song. Not that song. The other Rembrandt song. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I started thinking of songs that were kind of like that, where it's either like a pop song that ultimately 
is always now associated with like that was the the opposite of that. They tried to take their theme song and turn it mm-hmm. into a real song. And I thought that Love and Marriage was one of those songs that was a real song that now is universally and forever bound yeah. to this TV show that I I can't I mean it's if you listen to the the song, it's a kind of a sweet song and it's you know, it's it's just a, it's a genuine song about love and marriage. Yeah. But you put it in the context of like, you know, the Bundy household and it's played to this kind of ironic uh, for this, these ironic sensibilities. And it, it's strange how like just a TV show or just the opening theme to that has forever altered yeah. th- this, this one song. A hit song. Yeah. And then it, it got associated with a sitcom and it became the opening theme and now you forget about I, I that think, song. I think there yeah. are like... There are instances where it's done really poorly or stupidly. Yeah. I, I think it's really successful when it's used for its ironic use in Married with Children. Yeah. But there's like a show like uh like CSI Miami, which uses that Who song. The Who song. All yeah. the CSIs use a different Do they? song. Yes. And it's it, like I get it. You used it because it's they say the words Who are you? And it's a detective show. Right. I, we got it. We it's, got it. And That's, so, then there's Won't Get Fooled Again. Because if you're a cop, you're not going to get fooled this time. It's so stupid and boring. There's but... Happy Jack, because there was the cop who was happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a quick one while he's away, because he was stealing something <laughs> while the guy was gone. So why do you like it, though? Because it's classic? or because I, it's? I, I, like bec- I like it. Did that show successfully take over that song? I, that's why I like yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. It, it took the song and, and made it a part of the show versus... Uh, I guess it, it kind of added a negative connotation in yeah. some way, the but, song, but it did it pretty naturally. The song has so much, because it's Sinatra, it's Jimmy Van Heusen or whatever, it has so much class to it, and that show was renowned for being just kind of this trashy, the end sure, of society humor. as we know it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but does that show hold up? Have you watched it lately? No. I, I, don't, I don't think it, I, I doubt it holds up, right? I'm sure it's crazy misogynistic and I can't watch stupid. it without thinking I was masturbating to Christina Applegate when she was 14 years old how old were you 27, 27. <laughs> something like that in a sad failing marriage that they stuck together yeah right somehow through, through the power of Frank Sinatra's love songs. that's right maybe that's what was played in the background that you just never heard how do you think they got the clearance by the way for that like that's like if you think if Sinatra knew that was like what the show was really about, he would have cleared that. I don't think so. Mm. They must have gotten him like, well, it's a show about a family. You know, they joke with each other. They love. Dad works as a <laughs> blue-collar guy. Yeah, but if this show isn't good, I'm going to go ring-a-ding-ding on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank, you're almost dead. Uh, who, what's your fourth one? All right, so I'm going to finish up with sports. And I'm going to go with, look, here's the thing. So many of these theme songs, it's hard to really separate them from not just the sound, but the visuals that go along with it. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the narration that goes over it. So I know we're talking about the song, but it kind of is the whole package here. And I'm talking about the ABC's Wide World of Sports theme. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport. The thrill of victory. And the agony of defeat. The great Jim McKay, um, and of course, the song itself, I think, even if you divest it of the great narration and all these like scenes of Muhammad Ali and 
some dude falling off the side of a mountain. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great song. It is, it's within the course of like probably two minutes. It has like three or four different passages. Mm-hmm. Kind of has that, that very lyric, almost like lyrical kind of part in the middle, but it's also got the really driving part at the end. So it's really a great composition just in terms of getting that kind of emotion of sports into a really tight package. Um, it was composed by someone named Charles Fox, who I didn't know about until I did the research for this. Um, but did things such as, um, let's see here, all the music for Love American Style. Oh, wow. Um, he wrote, co-wrote the uh, song uh, Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack. Um, he did the uh, Match Game theme, which actually was on my short list. Because <laughs> I just love that. I mean, nothing says, it's the 70s. Yeah. Half the panel's drunk. <laughs> Match game, let's go. Um, what else did he do? He did Laverne and Shirley. He did a lot of the music for the Happy Days. So he has this like really incredibly like broad career. Wow. That's a hell of a list of yeah. like any four of those that you just read off could have I mean yeah. he's you no, could have read them as like well, your list of Mount Rushmore. I mean he's no he's no John Williams. Well I got Johnny tickets. Williams. That's weird because I on. got tickets for him at the Hollywood Bowl conducting <laughs> Charles Fox conducts the music of Charles Fox. Just conducts Schlemiel. Just Schlemiel. the Basel. Pepper, Pepper Incorporated. <laughs> Do they have like 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 C list celebrities? <laughs> Tony Danza, but he's not singing the Who's the Boss theme. He's singing the <laughs> the HR Puff and stuff thing, which he actually did as well. But no, I I read an interview with him and he said basically I got ideas. He said I know this thing called the vaudeville. They just wanted to, he, like, keep okay, in mind when this show first started, Wide World of Sports, it was like the summer replacement thing. What was it? it, oh. it nobody knew how it was going to work. No one had ever done like a sports anthology show. It's certainly not something that had all these random weird ass sports. And really people thought it was going to be like a summer replacement. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it'll last a year or two. And for me, it's kind of Wide World of Sports is where I fell in love with the weird sports. Yeah. I mean, I keep going. Yeah. I like the, I mean, I like baseball. I love baseball, football, all that stuff. But that's where I like, it was amazing to be able to just turn on that show and maybe you'd have a boxing match or something that's a little bit more mainstream. Cliff diving. You might have cliff diving. You might have barrel jumping, ice barrel jumping. Uh, I remember one time they'd always have this thing where they'd go to St. Moritz and it was like a, a luge. But it was just basically guys who are on just like look like homemade sleds, <laughs> and they're all like super rich people, like barons and and dukes, and they'd go it's like a skeleton. They go like flying face first down this uh hill, and whoever the won winner, the winner is king. Yeah, the winner gets to be king of uh, Switzerland for the <laughs> for the rest of the year. But it was just like, wait a second, you know, there's there's somebody you know on a two people on bicycles trying to get a soccer ball into a goal. What is happening here? And it always seemed like it was just something that was more interesting than watching a Brewers like Cubs doubleheader to uh, me. So I, that yeah. certainly, you know, it, it it played a lot in my love of sports that were outside of the mainstream. And that song for me was just like when it came on, it was like, okay, time to get my food, time to park my ass on in front of the TV for a couple hours. Each of these gentlemen has registered their four choices. I lock them in into the vault. Let's play a theme music for that vault. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have the Safe Crackers theme the from The Price is Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll register my choice. And um, some of the most, like Richard said and Michael said too, uh, the nis- feeling they have most is maybe nostalgia for some of these theme songs. For me, it was for a theme song that could really give me nothing more than nostalgia because at the time I saw it, I didn't really even know the show because I was a little kid, and that was the Bob Newhart show. 
And the theme for Bob Newhart was composed by Lorenzo Music and his wife, Henrietta. And they were both... Uh, Lorenzo Music was one of the co-creators of the show. So I really dig that. Here, here's this guy who was also a voice actor, the voice of Garfield, and Carlton the Doorman on the um, Mary Tyler Moore show, or Rhoda, I forget which one, was also the composer of the music for this show that he co-created. And his last name was Music. His last name was Music, Lorenzo Music. Oddly enough, he did the lyrics. That's what, It's crazy. The irony is thick. Um, but as a kid, I loved it because I it was so adult. There was a lot of those shows that, Back in the day, think of the Odd Couple or uh, Rockford Files or whatever that had kind of a jazzy kind of score, and um, I really, really dug it. Even though I didn't even couldn't really get a lot of the jokes. You know, uh, it's later on. it's interesting that we made it through this whole episode and none of us mentioned a Mike Post theme. Oh, that's right. Yeah, who was like the king of the seventies yeah. and eighties? Did he Hill, Hill Street Taxi? He did Hill Street Blues? I don't know if he did Taxi, but he did Rockford Files. Uh-huh. He did A Team. He did uh, Greatest American Hero. You know, he did, we'll, I think, we'll, Magnum P.I. We'll add it in post. Yeah. I think oh. uh, Alan Thicke did a lot of themes, too. Yeah, he did, uh, he did, uh, uh, he did the Growing Pains theme. Yeah. Okay, so that was my choice. And so now I have the dubious honor of selecting which of these gentlemen is the winner. And really, does anybody win except you, the audience? No. That's my answer to that question. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to go right out. Uh, in this, uh, this is very close because each of these guys picked across the board, different things that were kind of more like kind of pop music instrumentation and orchestration. And then they had different great justifications for their choices. But I guess I would say the reason I'm going with Mr. Richard Manfredi this time around is because I felt like he was able to pick some choices that elevated the show that you were about to see above what it actually was. And, um, Something like Sanford and Son was definitely tuned into the junkyard world of Fred Sanford and his son Lamont, but it definitely had a kind of a jazzy feel to it that uh, maybe polished that show just a little bit. Hawaii Five O took this Hawaiian drum beat and then kind of added some really cool uh, orchestration to it. ABC's Wide World Sports theme obviously elevated um, underwater basket weaving beyond what you would expect. And uh, tonight's show with Johnny Carson, I felt like gave a nice kind of jazzy veneer to the show that could be tawdry, considering the fact it was on five nights a week. So uh, Michael did incredibly well with his Ballad of Gilligan's Island, his Olympic fanfare, and X-Files theme, of course, Love and Marriage. And what I thought was really cool about his choices is they all did a great job of telling the true story of what we were about to see, um, whether it's uh, literally or sarcastically. So, So those are my choices. Guys, I have a new theme song. What's that? Cause now I'm a winner. Boom! I won the show. This has been Mount Rushmore. Now it's time to go. I've been Jeff, and I've been Michael, and this is Richard, and we're done with the show. Let's not pay the royalties on that. Just as so long far. as we recognize that uh, you are as much of a clown as I am. <laughs>